0: The major or the most fundamental question would be, what is the difference between a product-based business or a service-based business? If you can sell, you can sell a product to make money, you can sell a service to make money. If you're going to make money at the end of the day, does it really matter if it's a product-based business or a service-based business? Well, that's a fair question. It's a good question. Now, it's not just about the money because you can spend four hours to make one dollar. And then some people spend four minutes to make the same one dollar, right? It's the same one dollar, but somebody is spending far more time, far more resources, far more energy to squeeze out the same one dollar. You could also invest, you could also be involved in a capital intensive business that requires $10,000 to start. And at the end of each month, you're making one dollar. Right? And there's some other person who just needs $100 to start a business. And at the end of the month, they make the same $1. What it means is that you're spending, the first person requires much more money to squeeze out the same amount of output. So it's a far less efficient process. Every big thing starts small. It's a natural law. Every big multinational corporation was once a small business. Welcome to the Small Starter Business Podcast. A unique podcast for practical tips and advice to help you start, grow, or turn around your business. Welcome to another episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. I am your host as usual, John Paul Iwoha. Today's episode touches on a very simple but important topic and this is a, a, this is a, a topic that shows up at very monumental times in the life of a business most times this this question this choice comes up at the time an entrepreneur is thinking about starting a business and what exactly is that choice the choice is should you start a product based business Or should you start a service-based business? Now, we know there are all kinds of businesses in the world, uh, big and small, right? But one thing is very clear. It's either you are a business that sells products or you're a business that sells services or you're a business that sells both products and services. So today's episode is going to look into the question of which one is better? If you have to choose uh, creating a product-based business or a service-based business, if you have to choose just one which one is actually better. And why is this conversation important? Now, it's important because of that very scarce resource called time. All of us are going to be on this planet Earth for a very limited amount of time. All of us have the same 24 hours in a day. It doesn't matter if you're building a product-based business or a service-based business. All of us have the same 24 hours um, in a day most times you have to sleep for some of that time so basically if you had to devote your life if you had to devote the next three years five years or ten years to build a business which one would be a better use of your time would it be a product-based business or would it be a service based business so if you had to allocate your time efficiently which one will give you a bigger bang for your buck so um, now this particular topic is very important, especially for people who are about to start a business. You know, if you've never started a business for the first time before, that's moment where you're about to make that choice, where you have a couple of business ideas on your list. I remember I had a coaching conversation with one of our newest members in the Insiders, uh, uh, Charmon from uh, Rwanda, right? And during that conversation, we we're looking at a couple of business opportunities he could explore. On that list were product-based business ideas and then we also had service-based business ideas and it's very important because if you're going to invest the next two or three years of your life or the next 10 years of your life building a business, it makes sense that you invest that time in a business that is going to maximize your return on investment your return on the pain and the pressure and all the troubles and hassles of building a business. Another important um, reason why this conversation is timely is that you know some businesses are just harder than others. Some businesses are naturally harder than others. For example, if you work in the agribusiness space, you can imagine that it is harder than somebody who is doing um, IT, whether it's software programming or one of these guys who just works on a laptop, right? So, working on a laptop is, of course, easier than working in the field under the sun. You're exposed to the elements and the risk and all that. Uh, Hospitality businesses, logistics businesses, which are very hands-on businesses, are quite harder than, for example, a consulting business where the consulting service can be rendered over the phone or over Zoom or something like that. So, uh, what I'm really looking at is if if you had the choice or the opportunity to choose which one would be better. I also don't want to forget those entrepreneurs who have already built a business. You've built a business based on a product or a service. Your bus- That business is now doing well and you're thinking of diversification or going into other lines of business. So if you're at that point where you have to invest time, energy, capital and all that to start another line of business, would you be better off starting a product-based business or a service-based business. So that exactly is the um, crux of the conversation in this episode. And in this episode, I'm going to be looking at the pros and cons of product-based businesses and service-based businesses. My goal with this episode is to give you a full understanding of the factors you need to consider before you decide to go into a product-based business or a service-based business. Now, the major or the most fundamental question would be, what is the difference between a product-based business or a service-based business? If you can, sell, you can sell a product to make money, you can sell a service to make money. If you're going to make money at the end of the day, does it really matter if it's a product-based business or a service-based business? Well, that's a fair question. It's a good question. Now, it's not just about the money because you can spend four hours to make one dollar. And then some people spend four minutes to make the same one dollar right? It's the same $1, but somebody is spending far more time, far more resources, far more energy to squeeze out the same $1. You could also invest, you could also be involved in a capital intensive business that requires $10,000 to start. And at the end of each month, you're making $1 right? And there's some other person who just needs $100 to start a business. And at the end of the month, they make the same $1. What it means is that you're spending, the first person requires much more money to squeeze out the same amount of output. So it's a far less efficient process. And I I hope you get the drift here. So when it comes to the difference between products and services, there are different, depending on who you listen to, there are different uh, more or less there are differences right between products and services but there is one key difference between a product and a service and I need you to pay attention to this that key difference is the transfer of ownership and risk the transfer of ownership and risk and let me explain if you have if your business makes products right maybe you make headphones or you make uh, mobile phone accessories, or you make wristwatches, or let's say you make shoes, for example. Once you sell a pair of shoes to a customer, you automatically transfer the ownership of that shoe and the risk associated with that shoe to the buyer. So, let me explain. The moment before you sold the pair of shoes to the customer, you owned the shoes, you made the shoes. They are your shoes, right? But the moment you accept money from from the buyer, in exchange for those shoes, automatically you transfer ownership of those shoes to the buyer. So after taking money from the buyer, you cannot say, you know, I want to wear those shoes on Sunday. You can't wear the shoes on Sunday. They are no longer your shoes. You have transferred the ownership of the shoes to the buyer. The buyer also can show up later and say, uh, this shoe needs mending. You know, it's not your business. You have transferred ownership and risk. So if something has happened to that product, it's the buyer's business. The buyer needs to go sort that out. So when you are in a product based business, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happens. You create the product, the product is ready. You find a customer, you sell that product, you exchange that product for money. At the time of that exchange, you have transferred your ownership and the risk associated with owning that product to the new owner. That's the seller. So that's it for products. If you're in a product based business, that's what happens. But in the case of a service, right, when you sell a service, you don't transfer ownership and risk, right? If you're offering a service, you don't transfer ownership and risk. One example of a service would be if you're trying, if you want to travel by air from Lagos to London, you, of course, you're going to, you, you need to buy an airline ticket. Now, what that airline ticket means is that it guarantees you a seat on that flight between. Lagos and London, say at 2 p.m. on Wednesday. That's what it guarantees you. You do not own the seat on that flight. After you get off that flight in London, you cease to have any access or ownership rights or whatever that comes with the seat. The airline retains ownership of the seat. If something happens on that flight, you're uncomfortable, you need help, it's the airline's responsibility because the airline still bears risk the, the risk of the of the seed because it retains ownership. So you see what's happening here? When somebody provides you a service, they are not transferring ownership or risk to you. They still retain it, you know? So, so that's the key difference between products and services. When you sell a product, you transfer ownership and risk. For services, most of the time, when you sell a service, you are not transferring, you're really not transferring ownership or risk. And what I'm saying is going to make sense to you just um, in the next couple of minutes as we go through the the rest of this episode so let me give you a couple of examples so that you really understand this uh, distinction between products and services let's look at a house for example a house that has four bedrooms so the owner of the house can decide to sell that house to a new person let's say you for example the day you pay the, the day you make full payment for that house and take the keys to the house and sign the contract, the ownership of that house transfers from the previous owner to you. You are now the new owner of that house. If there are any taxes to be paid on that house, you pay the taxes, you pay the levies. If, if something breaks down in that house, maybe a pipe breaks or the the roof caves in, it's no longer the the seller's business. You are now the new owner. So you're the one who is going to fix it you're the one who's going to take care of the property. If the house burns down, you are the one who's going to suffer the full loss of that house. You can't go back to the seller and say, the house you sold to me just burnt down. Can I get my money back? It doesn't work that way. The moment you paid for that house and bought it as a product, you, you took over the ownership rights and the risks that come with that house. Now, that's it for... That's it. The, the product here is the house. That is a transaction where the person, the seller is selling a house. Imagine that that same house, the same four-bedroom house, instead is not sold to you. Instead, you're coming in as a tenant and the owner of the house becomes your landlord or landlady, right? It's still the same house. You live in the same house. It's you and your family. But guess what? It's, no, it's not a product. The landlord is offering you, is providing you a service. You are renting the house for one year, for one month, for three years, right? You have access to the house, you can use the house, but you don't own the house. If something major breaks down in the house, it's the landlord's problem because the landlord retains the ownership rights in the property and retains the risk. If the house burns down, it's not your problem as a tenant. Of course, depending on the agreement, it's the owner of the house who bears the risk and the loss if the house breaks down. So you see, it's still the same house, but then based on the nature of the transaction, that house can, can be a product or it can be a service. That's one example. It's also the same thing with the hotel room, right? When you walk into a hotel and you say you want to book a room and they say, okay, room, room 150 is available, room 150. You're going to room 150. The hotel is only giving you access to room 150 for just one night. They are not selling the room to you. You don't own the mattresses, the paint on the wall, the furniture in that room. The hotel owns the room and everything in it. You are just there for one night. So it's a service, right? So you see the distinction. I can also apply the same thing to a car, right? You can walk into a car lot and buy a new car for, say, for example, $20,000. You buy that car. The moment you drive that car out of that car lot, you know, you are now the new owner, you bear, you bear full responsibility for the car, whatever happens to it, you know, all of that, because you have paid the full price and you've taken over ownership of that, of that car, which is now your property. Now, the same car, rather than selling it to you for $20,000, I can lease it to you for $500 a year or maybe $1,000 a year. So you drive out with the same car, your friends see you in the car, you drive the car to work, everybody thinks it's your car, but it's not your car. If something happens to that car, it's not your business. The person who bears the loss is the owner of that business. Because in that same arrangement, in that arrangement, the car is a service to you. It was sold as a service to you, not as a product. Now, the reason I'm making these distinctions is that in some areas, some people make the distinction that a product is tangible, then a service is intangible, right? You see, some people make that distinction. But when you look at it like a house or a car, the the car is tangible. You can hold it, you can feel it, you can see it, right? The, the, The house is tangible, the car is tangible. But how you sell it Either as a product or a service is really what makes the difference. And like I told you, the key difference is the transfer of ownership rights and the risks of that property. So now that I've explained the distinction between a product type of business and a service type of business, let's now look at the the, the core characteristics of a product of a product based business and the core characteristics of a service-based business. Now, my goal in this episode is not to nudge you in any one direction. Like you would notice as we, we continue in this episode, there are examples of very successful companies that are product-based businesses. There are many successful companies that are service-based businesses. So, even when you look out there, it's not as if the service-based businesses are more successful than product-based businesses. And it's not as if the product-based businesses are more successful than service-based businesses. It all depends on preference and that's the goal of this episode. I want to give you enough information and guidance so that you can make the right choice for you. There are people who love product-based businesses. They want to see the product, they want to touch it, they want to have that pride and joy of, I created this. And there are some people who prefer service-based businesses, right? It all depends on the individual. And since I don't know what kind you are, the very best I want to do for our audience, the people who listen to the Small Starter Business Podcast is to provide you with sufficient inf- information so you can make up your mind. When it's, when it's time. So let's look at product-based businesses. Now, there are two kinds of product-based businesses. If you want to go into a business that sells products, there are two ways you can do it. The very first one is manufacturing, manufacturing, and the second is trading. So let me explain manufacturing, for example. Manufacturing is make and sell. You, you sell what you make, you make what you sell. That's exactly what manufacturing is. Toyota, for example, is an example of a manufacturing company. Toyota makes cars, right? Dangote is an example. Dangote makes cement. It makes sugar. It makes uh, pasta. It makes fertilizer. Dangote makes things. McDonald's, the restaurant chain, makes things. They make burger. They make fries. They make, you know, all of that. So they're in the food industry. They make what they sell. ExxonMobil is an example. ExxonMobil produces oil from the ground and then they sell it. Right, So these are examples of very notable product-based businesses that are in the manufacturing space when it comes to the product-based business. So they make what they sell. Now, one characteristic of a manufacturing business is that it requires a considerable capital outlay. That's because if you're going to make things, you will need space, you will need equipment, you will need labor, employees, you know, and there's some considerable overhead that comes in. So it's a capital intensive business to start because if you're going to make physical products and services, if you're going to be in manufacturing, it's, you, you will require space equipment, employees and things like that. If you're in an emerging market, you know, where things like power supply can be a problem. If you're going to make things and your equipment require electricity to run, That means you're really going to invest in power generation. You'll be spending a lot of money on diesel and things like that because your equipment needs power to run. So that is one clear clear feature of a manufacturing type of business. It's also harder to start. If you want to go into manufacturing, it's harder to start because of the things that I mentioned. You will need space. You need access to suppliers, access to distributors. You will need employees. You will need equipment, you know, things like that. So it's a much harder business to start. Um, and um, there's even though it's much harder to start, the advantage of a manufacturing type of business is that you have a there's a high opportunity to differentiate your product because you make the product. You have a lot of influence in how the product turns out. You can change, you can influence the color, you can influence the size, you can influence the content. You can influence the field. There are many things you can do. As long as you're the one creating the product, you have a lot of flexibility to differentiate your product and make it it, uh, different and unique in the market. So you have the ability to make it unique because you make the product. So that's it for a manufacturing type of business, make and sell. The second type of product-based business is trading. So unlike manufacturing, trading means you buy, you sell what you buy, you buy and sell. So unlike the manufacturing guys, you don't make anything. You don't have equipment to make anything. You just buy what somebody else has produced and then you sell. So typical examples of successful companies that use this model will be Target, which is like the retail chain in the US; Shoprite, which is a major retail chain in Africa; and then Walmart, which is also a very well, one of the world's most recognizable brands in the retail uh, space. So. Walmart doesn't make what they sell. They sell what other people make. They buy and sell. Same with ShopRite, same, same with uh, Target. So, the kind of capital you require for this kind of, for a trading business is really around inventory. In, by inventory, I mean stock. You buy stock from a manufacturer or an importer or whoever. You, you, you get it from the source and then you need space to sell it. So, if you are a ShopRite, for example, you need to have a mall or a retail space so you're going to pay rent, considerable rent, or you might even build your space to sell. That's one way to do it, a physical way. If you are an Amazon or an e-commerce platform like Alibaba, you don't need a physical space. Even if you need physical space, that will be for storage. You use it as your warehouse. But your main shopfront will be online. So people buy online. But there is really no difference when it comes to... Amazon and ShopRite. The way they sell might be different, but they are product-based businesses and they are trading businesses. They sell what they buy. They don't make anything. They buy what other people have made and then they sell it. Now, a trading business is easier to start because there are lesser resources required. You don't need to invest in equipment. You don't need to really invest in technical employees who can make stuff, you know, things like that. All you're just focusing on is more or less, how, how can you sell this thing? Since, you're not, since there's really no burden on the making of the product, you are much more focused on how do you sell this thing. And now, the downside to a trading business is that you have little opportunity to differentiate your product. So since you, are buy, since you are buying what other people have made, since you are selling what other people have made, you can only sell what what they, what they sell to you, right? You can only sell what the manufacturer has made. So you have limited scope to differentiate yourself. And that is why um, trading companies are usually have limited options for differentiation. That's why most of them compete on price. Since they cannot change the quality of the product, they are not the ones who made the product. Since they cannot change the, the, the features of the product, the best they can do is compete on price or customer service. And that's exactly what um, uh, companies like Amazon and the rest do. They can't change the product, so they compete on, on the price, uh, Amazon is really good in cutting costs, so because they have a lower cost, they are able to charge, uh, uh, present a much more competitive and favorable price. And they're not, they also back that up with what uh, Jeff Bezos calls the uh, obsession with the customer. So it's all about customer service, but they really can't do anything about the product because they didn't make the product. So that's really it. So for a a product-based business, you have two options. You can go into manufacturing and I've told you the pros and cons of a manufacturing type of business. And of course, there are several successful companies in the manufacturing space, or you can play the retail, the trading side where you sell what you buy from others. And i also give you examples of very successful companies that are doing that with the pros and the cons. Now, let's look at services. Now, when it comes to services, there are also two types of, or there are two major plays in the service space. And the first one is access. You can sell access or you can sell activity. Now, pay attention. You can, you can sell access or you can sell activity. And let me explain what I mean by that. So with access, what access means when you're selling access? You are selling the permission to use an asset, an item or a facility, you know, so it, it could be a house, it could be a car, it could be something. So you're not selling the house, you're not selling the car. What you're selling is permission to use the car, permission to use the house. So if you have permission to use a house, you're a tenant. If you have permission to use a car, you are a, you are a, a lessor or let's say, right, you've leased the car. That's exactly what it is. What the person is selling is permission to use. The person is not selling the item to you. They are selling the permission to use the item. So, the arrangement could be a lease like a car. It could be rent like a house. It could be hiring. You could hire it like equipment or it could be subscription like a gym, like a gym membership. So, if you belong to a gym these days, you pay a subscription fee every month so that you can have access to the gym to use the equipment and benefit from the instructors. So uh, typical examples of successful companies that do this would be Netflix, for example. So when I was growing up, if you wanted to watch a movie, you go and buy the movie. So movies were products. When you buy the movie, you own the movie. And then it got, it, it, the, the model went into renting. If you want the movie, you go and rent the movie and then watch the movie. Now, because of the influence of the internet, you know, we now have Netflix. And what Netflix means is for a monthly subscription, you can watch as many movies as you want. Netflix is not selling the movies to you. Netflix is only selling access to the movies. That is why when your subscription expires, the movies are still there, but you can log into your account. Netflix denies, you. Netflix denies you access because your subscription has expired. So what they are selling you is access to the movies. Netflix is selling you permission to watch the movies. Netflix is not selling the movies. Same thing with Facebook, right? Facebook makes money from advertising. What Facebook does is Facebook sells access to their platform, to their audience, to an advertiser. If you want to advertise your product or your service on Facebook, Facebook gives you the access to reach their customers. They can charge you ten cents or one dollar per one thousand people you can reach, which is more or less the number of impressions and things like that. They can charge you per click per the number of people who click your ad on the on the platform so that's what Facebook is selling access to their to their platform to their audience. The same thing with airlines. I explained it before when you buy a ticket an airline ticket you're not buying the seats on the airline the airline is the airline owns the seat. What you're buying is access to that flight. If there's a flight from Johannesburg to Lagos, or from Lagos to Accra, or from Accra to London, what you're buying is access to have, to have a seat on that flight. If you don't show up for that flight, you can't show up later in the day and say, I, I, I own a seat on this aircraft. No, that's all, the, the airline is not selling you a seat on their aircraft. They are selling you access to... To the, to the aircraft and it's a service. Once that period or once that flight is, is done, then your access is expired. You can't show up on another flight based on the ticket you bought for a previous flight. That's why the airlines sell flight tickets. They don't sell seats on the aircraft. You can't say I own seat 15A. It's not your property, you see. Same too with hotels, hotels sell access. You, you spend the night, they give you access to a room the moment your access expires you do you no longer have access to that room same thing too with gyms right so like i also said you 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 buy a gym membership and that gives you access to use the equipment it gives you permission to use the equipment as long as your subscription is, is still active so i hope you you understand what it is these these are examples of businesses that are very successful and what they sell is access so now when it comes to the, the downside of this kind of business or more or less a feature of it. You would need, um, it requires capital outlay to buy or build the asset. If your business is based on access, if you are a service-based business and the service you're selling is access, what it means is that you have an asset or an item that people want. It could be a house or it could be a room like hotels. It could be uh, sporting equipment like gyms or it could be the, uh, the opportunity to reach millions of users like Facebook has, right? So, to build the assets that people want access to may require significant capital to buy either to buy the asset or to build the asset. So, that's where the capital comes in. Another, another thing that's required for these kinds of businesses, um, access-based businesses, is that it requires time, attention, and labor. Because you, you need to constantly operate the, 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 the asset. You need to maintain it and repair it. Remember, it's a service-based business. So you are not transferring the ownership or the risk of ownership. You bear the risk of ownership. So if something happens to the asset, so if, for example, you run a hotel, if the pipes burst, or if there is a fire in a section of the building, or the roof is leaking, or something goes wrong, it's still your property. You have to maintain it. Your guests, the people who pay for rooms in your hotel, they bear no responsibility for repairing things that are on your property. You you, you retain that responsibility. So what that means is you are going to bear the cost of hiring technicians, keeping people on your staff who will be responsible for operating things, maintaining things, repairing things, right? So if you're leasing, if you're in the business of leasing equipment, what you're doing is you're you're selling access to the equipment. If the equipment breaks down or needs maintenance or needs repairs, you have to bear the cost for that. So that is a feature of this kind of business. And, um, but then if you look at the upside, if even though the, there's a considerable capital outlay for service-based, for access-based service businesses, right, one opportunity you have is that you can improve the offer. Because you own the property, you can improve the offer and change the pricing. You can increase the pricing. So let me give you an example. Say I own a gym, right? I own a gym and I'm selling a, the subscription, the monthly subscription for the gym at $25 per month. Right? I could improve the gym. I could get advanced equipment, get some Peloton devices in there, touch it up, get a celebrity trainer, you know, improve the place. And then tell my, my, tell my members, the my customers, that the price is now forty-five dollars. We're moving up. We're moving up the price from twenty-five dollars to forty-five dollars, right? And I'm able to do that because I, I am still the owner of the property, and I've touched up the property, I've improved the offer, and I've changed the pricing. Compare it to somebody who sells a product. After I sell a product to you, there is no incentive for me to improve the product I sold to you, it's no longer my property. It's now another person's property. So I don't have any incentive to improve that thing I've sold to you or even ask you to pay a higher price. So you can imagine it's going to be ridiculous if I sell a product to you. I sell a, I sell a house to you and then I come back to you and I tell you, I think I made a mistake with the price. I want you to pay more. It's not going to work because you've already transferred ownership of that property to me. But if it's, If it's a service-based business, where I still own the property, I still own the gym and the equipment in it, I still own the hotel, I can touch it up, I can improve it, I can rehabilitate it, you know, and then ask for a higher price because the thing I'm offering has changed. So that's it for access-based service businesses. The second type of service business that I told you about is activity type service businesses. So unlike the access, uh, type of business of service business where what you're selling is a permission, is a permission to use an asset. In activity type service businesses, what you're selling is work. You are actually going to do work to benefit a customer. That's what activity type service businesses are. In, in essence, you are, you are selling your time to create results for the customer. So, this is that whole I want to work for you, I, I'm going to do work that is going to be of benefit to you and you're going to pay me for the work that I've done. But to do that work, I need to invest my time. I need to invest my knowledge, my expertise, all of that. Bottom line is I'm going to do work, activity. I'm going to do something that you're going to uh, pay me for. So of course, there are several successful companies that use this model. One common example is construction companies, right? What construction companies do is activity. You want to build a shopping mall You want to build a residential building. You want to build a commercial block. They mobilize to the site. They they show you what is going to require. So essentially the cement, the rods and all that. They build what you want. You pay them for it. So they actually show up and do work. These are activity type service businesses. Contractors too are that way. You want somebody, you want to hire a plumbing contractor. You want to hire a fabricator. You want to hire a carpenter. You want to hire a mason. These are people who work in exchange for payments that you're going to give them. Another example would be consultants. You know, consultants, people who provide professional services, like legal services, for for example. You have, there are lawyers who are very successful. And what do lawyers sell? They sell activity. They are going to do work for you. Whether it's documentation, representing you in in court, you know, they are going to invest their time to do work for you. Also with doctors, right? You want to do, you, you, you need to do a procedure. Maybe you want a facelift, right? If you're going to see a doctor, a medical professional, they are going to work on you and you, you pay them for the work they do. You know, they, you, you pay them. Same thing too for financial investment advisors, right? These guys, they, they, they work for you. They give you advice. They provide you with information that can make you make more money. Um, you know, it can go on and on. Wedding planners, you, you're planning for, you're, you're going to have a wedding, right? And you hire a professional wedding planner. What they're going to do for you is work. They will do the plan. They would um, work with the contractors. They will make sure you have a memorable wedding event. That's what they do. They're actually going to do work to deliver the results that you want, and then you pay them for the results, for the work they've done for you. Now, the upside to activity-based service businesses is that it's very flexible. Because you're doing the work, there's a high opportunity for differentiation. For example, one major opportunity that activity-type service businesses have is that the person who is doing the work has the advantage of their personality all human beings are not the same all of us have our different personalities so if you have a personality where the customer likes you just because of who you are you are empathetic you listen to them you are patient you are pleasurable you know all 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 of that that is something that another person cannot copy you see so it's an opportunity for differentiation another another advantage of um, activity uh, type service businesses is that you can customize the experience you can tailor the results to the needs of the customer. So it's not like a product where once it comes out of the factory, you can only buy that product the way it is. You can't really change anything, right? Because all the products look the same. In an activity type service business, you can customize what the customer wants. For example, if you are, you're working with a hairdresser, somebody who cuts your hair or does your hair, right? There are different styles. You can tell the person, I want my hair this way. I want you to do this. I want, I want you to look this way. I want you to color the hair white or brown or something. You know, So it's very, very customizable when it's activity type of businesses. And if the service is customizable, what you get is that you can charge different prices for different customers. So the opportunity for premium pricing comes in. And that is something that uh, product-based businesses really cannot do or access-based service businesses cannot do. If I'm going to buy a product, it's a standard product, you know, it's, it's going to likely be the same price. So it's a problem that supermarkets face, for example, you are selling the same product as the, as the, as the other person down the road. There's really not much differentiation you can bring in there. You can't just increase your price you know, if you're going to increase your price, you need to justify it. But if you're selling the same thing as the other person, there's really no justification for raising your prices. But it's not the same thing in activity type service businesses. Because you can customize the work, because you can differentiate yourself, you can actually charge more because you can do more for the person. So it's very flexible. Uh, The other benefit of an activity type business is there's a lower capital outlay because most of the work is done by the person who has who has the knowledge the skills the experience most times it's just what we call here in africa brain work it's just brain work and most times if you're going to do brain work all you really need is your brain and maybe sometimes your computer or maybe some equipment or tool you know that you need for your kind of work so it's not a capital intensive kind of business but it relies heavily on skill on knowledge on expertise right now that's the upside to this kind of business. The downside to activity type businesses is that it relies heavily on human resources. And this is the weakness of this kind of service business. Because, because it relies so much on human resources, it, is, it can be difficult to scale the business. Right? You may be able to do well as, as a very experienced lawyer, as a very gifted engineer, as a very gifted architect, You can serve your customers, but you are just one person. How many customers can you serve? You have the same 24 hours in a day, right? It might be difficult for you to serve a lot of customers. So you can do well on your own as a sole practitioner. Where the problem comes is when you want to scale the business. You want to hire somebody else. That somebody else may have a different personality, may not be as skillful as you are, may not pay as much attention to detail and stuff like that. So it, uh, it is hard to scale activity-based businesses, but it's not impossible. After all, even my previous employer, PWC, and of course, the, the rest of the other companies in that range, like McKinsey, Bain & Company, Deloitte, you know, KPMG, All of these businesses rely on the expertise of their employees, and they've been able to work out a way where the output, the results you can get from those consulting firms is more or less guaranteed. It is standard. So they have used processes, internal processes, to ensure that there is really no variability in the quality of work that you get. So it's not impossible, but it is hard to scale a business where the main product is the skills of your employees is the skills of the people who actually work in your business because human beings can be unpredictable. Human beings are harder to manage than equipment or software, you know, but it's not, it's not impossible. So, at this point in the episode, let's recap. Now, I started this episode by telling you about why it's important to consider the choice between a product type of business or a service type of business. And the reason I, I brought this up, it's about time. All of us, you're not going to live forever. So if you're going to invest the next two years or the next five years or the next 10 years in building a business, wouldn't you, rather in, wouldn't you rather invest that time and energy in a business that would be much more efficient in the use of your time? So would you rather, you know, spend four hours a day to make $1 or would you rather spend four minutes a day to make $1? That's exactly the way I look at it. So which one gives you a a bigger bang for your buck? And I I explained the key difference between products and services. And it's all around the transfer of ownership and risk. When you sell a product, you transfer the ownership of that product and the risks that are associated with owning that product to the buyer, to the person who is buying. But if it's a service business, you're not really transferring. The, The seller retains the ownership rights and also the risks that are attendant with the ownership of that of, of that asset or that skill. Now, I, I I mentioned that there are two major types of products uh, based businesses. There's manufacturing where you make what you sell, you know, or sell what you make. And then there's trading when where you sell what other people have made. So you just buy and sell. That's what it is for product type businesses. For service type businesses, I also mentioned that there are two types. There's access. There's the access based. Um, service business, where what you're selling is the permission to use an asset. That asset could be a house, it could be a property, it could be a car, something, right? And then there's activity, where the service is, you actually do work. You invest your time, your knowledge, your skill, your expertise, your experience to do work that yields the result that the customer wants to pay for. So I, I hope this, this episode um, is really going to help you. This is going to be a reference material. If you have already started a business, there will come a time in the future where you'll be thinking of something new to start to add a new revenue stream to your business. At that point, it would be nice to you know, refer to this episode and then think, think through many of the important points I've raised here so that you make the right choice and allocate your time wisely. So at this point in the episode, there are four things I need you to consider. The very first is to join the Insiders Program. This episode was... Influence was inspired by a coaching session I had with one of our new insiders. This is a young man who is about to start a business. And the worst thing he can do is to start the wrong type of business because like I've explained in this episode, some businesses are just naturally harder. So why would you do something hard if you can do something easier and still make the same amount of money or even much more money, right? So that's the logic there. So. I'm very happy that because of that coaching session, he got the guidance that he needs now to make the right choice so that he doesn't end up three years from today or four years from today looking back and saying, oh, you know, I would have been better off if I started a product-based business, or I may have been better off if I started a service kind of business. Like I said, the decision is personal because all of us have our preferences, right? So the the bottom line is, what the insiders affords you is the benefits of avoiding mistakes that are unnecessary. So you have access to a community of people who are building businesses in over 20 plus countries, in different industries. You can more or less benefit from that combined wisdom, from that community, you know, and save yourself a lot of heartbreak and, and all of that, you know, and for a very affordable price, right? So to learn more about the insiders, about what we do, and and other things that are related to it, check us out at smallstarter.com slash insiders. smallstarter.com slash insiders. The second thing I want you to do is to tell your friends about this podcast. This is free business information. It's not going to cost you anything to tell your smart friends about the Small Starter Business Podcast. You could be saving somebody some major regrets, some major mistakes, some major heartbreak, right? Because it can be very traumatic when people make avoidable business uh, mistakes so it's not going to cost you anything you're getting this episode for free all i ask is that you tell your smart friends about the small startup business podcast you can forward the url of this page if you're listening to this on the website you can forward the url to them via email or via social media you can use any of the social media buttons on the page to share with your friends If you're listening to this on any of the major podcast platforms, there are also features in there that allow you to share. And even if it's just word of mouth, if they go to Google and Google the Small Starter Business Podcast, it's going to pop up there right at the top of the list. So that's really one way you can can say thank you. Another way you can say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review. Now, a five-star review would really make me smile. But even better... What it's going to do is it tells the podcast directories that the algorithm that you know this podcast is worth listening to. So the, the recommendation engines, you know, favor five-star reviews more than anything else. So it would really be nice if you want to give us a pat on the back, leave us a five-star review. And you can do that at smallstarter.com slash review. Smallstarter.com slash review. Or you can review within any of the apps you're listening to. So also at this point, again, I'm going to mention Everything we do rises and falls on the Insiders program. These are the people I work directly with. They are ambitious, amazing people who are building businesses in different parts. And if you want to have direct access to me, you need my opinion on something you're building, there's no point clogging up my email box. The best place to catch me is inside the Insiders program. And you can check us out at smallstarter.com slash insiders, smallstarter.com slash insiders. At this point in the episode, let's listen to our partners at Queza. Remember, Queza is a revolutionary platform that is changing the way small and medium-sized businesses access uh, foreign markets. So there have been all sorts of success stories about People who are building, you know, making products, right, from share butter to customized shoes to artwork and all that. And they are getting customers in the U.S., in, in Europe, in the U.K., in Canada. You know, it's really nice when you can earn in foreign exchange. And this is an amazing African Africa-grown company that is doing the same thing that Alibaba did for China, that revolutionized how China does business with the world. So I have very big expectations from Queza. I think it's going to do very great things. Um, I'm working closely with the founder, Maxwell, and I think it will be nice to listen to what he has to say in this episode. So welcome again, Maxwell, to another segment, uh, the Queza segment on the Small Starter business podcast, and um, today I wanted to talk about challenges, because anybody who's trying to do international trade, who is trying to export, uh, who's trying to get somebody in America or Canada or the UK to to buy their products, I can imagine that they are going to face challenges. Even doing business between two African countries is hard enough. So I want you to to pick on one challenge. If there's one challenge you think uh, or you believe is one of the most serious ones that cause uh, significant pain to people, uh, small businesses that do, they're trying to export their products. What would that problem be? And why is it such a big problem?
1: Thank you, John Paul, for another wonderful session and listener of the Small Startup Business Podcast. It's Great to have me once again. My name is Maxwell Adieu. I'm the co-founder of Quasar. So going back to John Paul's question, for us, based on our experience, what we identify as one of the key problems that small businesses in Africa face when they try to sell cross-border to any part of the world, is payment. A lot of buyers abroad, they don't know this business. You know, even though they've sent their samples of the product, they bought the product, the buyers wanted to buy sometimes raw products or in a very large quantity. Imagine somebody is buying five containers of products and they don't really know this business. And it's a small business. They always said, oh, we are going to pay with letter of credit. So they say LC, letter of credit. And a lot of small businesses they don't even know what is letter of credit. They lose that transaction because they don't know what is letter of credit. And even if they know letter of credit, they need a reliable bank to help them identify if it's a good letter of credit. Because somebody can give you a letter of credit that is not good. So you need to understand what is this letter of credit. Is it irrevocable letter of credit. There are different types of letter of credit. So the major challenge they face is payment. And a lot of buyers who are buying large quantity will not get paid and cash. They always say we have to pay with letter of credit. That is a major challenge. And this is why we have to help this business. Who doesn't, a lot of them don't even have a bank account, not to talk of approaching their bank and tell them we have a letter of credit, can you help us talk to the buyer? So this is where we step in and make sure we use our bank to identify if this letter of credit is good, before the product can be shipped to the buyer, because the product has to get to the buyer and the bank will confirm the payment before the payment comes to the seller. So it requires a lot. And it requires your bank stepping in on your behalf to talk to the buyer's bank over there that look, is this a good letter of credit for my client? If my client ship the product, you have to release the payment. And both banks have to agree. Then those transactions can take place. And there are charges. The bank will charge their own percentage <laughs> if it's a letter of credit. So a lot of SME don't know about all of this. And this is one of the key things that limit them. Imagine a small business who produce honey, share butter, or cashew can supply 10 containers of their product abroad. If all of these challenges are not there, imagine what will happen to, to that business. Imagine what will happen to the continent. It means that it will open up a lot of things. I mean, issue of poverty will be eradicated. And this business can scale. So payment is one of the key
0: things. So, you heard the man. Uh, until the very next episode, I look forward to sharing more insightful business tips with you as we struggle and hustle every day to move our businesses to the very next level. Don't forget to be safe. I wish you all the very best. I'm out. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. To take our free business courses, or join one of our signature programs for special entrepreneurs like you, head over to smallstarter.com to join our private community. See you inside.